0: Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Simon Gilks from Ometria join us. Simon, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me today. So yeah, as you said, so my name is Simon Gilks, and I work at Ometria. I come from a background in sales. I spent about 12 years in sales before doing a short stint in product marketing, and then have spent the last sort of best part of 10 years in that sort of sales, revenue operations and enablement world. Currently, I lead our global revenue operations and enablement function. We support primarily our sort of sales, marketing and our customer world. But in reality, I'm a service provider to the whole business. And Ametria, so we have a single mission. Our mission is to create marketing experiences that our customers love we're a customer data marketing platform. And what we try and do is help retailers increase customer loyalty and CRM revenue by essentially sending personalized marketing messages throughout the entire customer journey.
0: Really excited to have you here. Now, on LinkedIn, you mentioned that you act as a cross-functional conduit. How are you able to break down the silos between different departments to ensure strategy alignment?
1: With difficulty, but um, (laughs) essentially, right, I, I see my role here to ensure that we have that accountability and sort of synchronicity around the goals and activities that each of the functions that are responsible for driving revenue have. So, like I said, our sales, marketing and customer organization, I do this by really enforcing that sort of accountability, but probably more importantly, the visibility. To making sure that everyone's goals are visible, all the activities that we're doing, and bringing that together in a single plan. Now, it's not always easy, but you know, that's what we need to do. And I think the easiest way to make sure we are all aligned is actually bringing it back to the customer and standing in the customer's shoes, understanding what they need. You know, because if we all align behind what our customer's doing, what our customer needs, what they want from us, then hopefully that aligns us all behind that single goal, which makes my life significantly easier and then i think as a business we have um, an underlying sort of methodology that we use It comes from a book called the four disciplines of execution and it's about wigs so wigs stand for wildly important goals and as a business we adopt this methodology so we have a single wildly important goal as a business and then every quarter each function within that business has a wildly important goal and it must roll up to the, the overall company wildly important goal. So I think, you know, my role is to make sure that we all have that visibility, we're all aligned and we're really thinking about it from a customer perspective and then using this sort of 4DX methodology really helps to make sure that the silos are brought down and that we are all aligned as departments.
0: Mm, absolutely. Now, in, in your experience, Simon, what is the impact of having strong cross-functional alignment on project and program execution?
1: I think... Strong sort of cross-functional alignment is essential. Without it, I, I believe that projects will either fail or their success will be severely limited. And I think the world we're operating in now, this sort of post, post-COVID world, where we're not necessarily in the office as much, or we don't have an office, or you know we're not seeing people face-to-face as much, has meant that this is even more important. You know, when when we were in the office, you would bump into someone at the coffee machine, walk down the corridor, hold a door open, you'd have those ad hoc conversations. You would be talking about what you're working on, your priorities. And it may have been a very informal conversation, but what it did do was it helped you communicate with everybody what you were working on, which actually subconsciously really helped with that cross-functional alignment. So we have to be really more conscious about what we're going to do. We have to make an effort to really focus on this alignment now. We have to make sure that from right the way from the planning of a project to the execution, everyone is involved, all of the right stakeholders to maximize success. So really, I do believe that the cross-functional alignment is essential to the success of any project or program, but not necessarily just for this one. What it will do is lead to much higher engagement because we know that whatever happens with this project, there's always going to be another one and another one and another one. So that sort of cross-functional alignment, that engagement, that success will only lead to the future projects being even more successful. So for me, it's absolutely critical and has to be one of the really sort of strongest part of any project.
0: I'd love to talk about how we bring this to life. Uh, What habits do you instill in your reps to promote teamwork and collaboration? And and how do you reinforce the value of cross-team alignment?
1: Again, this is so much tougher in a post-COVID world. But I believe it really starts at the top, right? And and this is actually about the culture of the organization. So I believe this absolutely starts at the CEO and works its way down. You know, you you find some organizations really thrive on people just working in their silo, getting their head down and just doing stuff. I think in a SaaS startup or a scale-up like I operate in, you know, working together and this collaboration is essential. I don't have all the answers. I need to work with people. I need to bounce those ideas off, you know, so we can get to that best place. So for us, you know, we're really fortunate because our CEO and our entire executive team, they really, really sort of support and encourage that collaboration and working together to the point we, we all work remotely, but once a month, we try and get everybody into the office in that one place just to get together, to encourage that working together. We also, the wig process really, really helps us here. So, we have teams, you have A's, you have BDRs, partner managers, you know, multiple teams. But we need to come together as a single team to focus on what's most important. So, for example, you know, like I said, I run the revenue operations and enablement team. Last quarter, my team was split in two. So, we had one team, but then we had a wig team for operations and a wig team for enablement. And the enablement team was actually joined by the product marketing team. So, we then formed a single wig team. Because that was the best thing for the business, for us to get together and collaborate on the single most important thing we could do to help the business. So I think in summary, you know, this starts at the top, it trickles down and our methodology really helps this. But, you know, my personal role, my responsibility here is to support it, is to encourage it and really ensure that everyone understands what we're doing and why. And it comes back to that plan at the beginning as well. So having that plan, having that methodology, and then as a leader, continuously encouraging that, and then correcting it if you need to, but hopefully, you know, there shouldn't be much correction required.
0: Absolutely. Now, Simon, in your experience, what are some ways that you leverage technology to enable cross-departmental communication amongst your teams?
1: And whenever we talk about technology, it's a dangerous subject, right? Especially in a startup or a scale-up, because... Yeah, my experience is, you know, you get some funding and you normally go out and buy loads of technology because you believe it's going to automate or it's going to help this process or help you collaborate more. And your tech stack swells and it actually actually really confuses things and makes things 10 times harder because you end up with five project management tools and everyone's working differently in a different tool. So for me, you have to be really, really careful when it comes to tech. You need to understand exactly what you need and why you need it and how you're going to use it. What problem is it solving? If you can't articulate that really, really quickly, then just forget it. You know, you don't need that piece of technology. And project management tools is probably a good example, right? Because you'll find some people prefer one tool because they like the way that was laid out and another one prefers this and another one likes that. That's a really dangerous way of looking at collaboration. I think from a technology point and what's been really successful for us is probably two prime examples, Um, an RFP tool. You know, doesn't you sort of think about an RFP tool? You're like, how's that going to enable collaboration? But we've got our product marketing team talking about our value proposition and our strategy. We've got our sales engineers that deal with the technical requirements. We've got our BDR team generating the opportunities. The A's closing them. All of them work on RFPs. And actually, by bringing in a really good RFP tool, is it's, it's given them a platform where they can all come together. Collaborate on a single RFP using all of the resources available. And actually, what that's meant is we've been able to turn around RFPs so much quicker, better aligned, and with a much better response rate from our customers, hopefully leading to more business. So, although when you talk about collaboration and communication, you wouldn't normally think about an RFP tool, but it's been extremely successful for us. And another example is, um, you know, and although I said project management tools are a bit of a dangerous area to go. By deciding on your single project management tool, we've been able to get a tool now that we integrate with our core CRM system, our CSM team use it, our professional services team use it, our onboarding team use it, and our customers use it. They all collaborate on a single project where we're all working together in real time and communication, leading to a much better, you know, post-sort of contract project, whether that's onboarding or an additional sort of integration or whatever that may be, that those types of tools, thinking slightly differently to a standard communication tool, has really helped us communicate and collaborate so much better.
0: Absolutely. And this is a question I think our audience is often very interested in understanding. How do you measure enablement's role in driving impact on cross-functional priorities? Yeah,
1: so I think measuring the impact of enablement
0: is always quite a difficult one. A lot of people talk about enablement and
1: their gut feel is it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to focus on time to ramp or percentage of people hitting quota, which yes, you can absolutely measure those. But they're very much lagging indicators and, and they're they're not necessarily within your control. So for me, you know, enablement has to really sort of start with the metric and you have to be really clear about what you're going to try and impact. Now, I'm a massive believer in the sales velocity equation. So, you know, focusing on sort of number of ops you are working, times the value times your win rate divided by your sales cycle, because ultimately those four levers are the only levers you've got to drive revenue. So the way enablement comes in for me is when we're working on any cross-functional priority, which one of those levers are we going to impact? So if we think about the product team introducing a new product or a new feature, Well, which which lever are we impacting? Are we trying to unlock more revenue? You know, are we trying to, you know, make it easier for someone to buy, therefore shorten the sales cycle? You know, are we offering, which is a must-have feature, therefore impacting the win rate? As long as we understand that, we're able to measure it. And then you've always got the anecdotal measurement as well. So, you know, using potentially a cool intelligence platform to understand how are our sales reps positioning this new feature? How is the customer responding to it? How is that landing in the marketplace and then flowing that through to the win rate or the average order value, you know, and that's where enablement has to come in because we're the conduit. That's going to bring that product into the system, into the salespeople out to the customer. So we have to be really clear on what that measurement is. And then we need to be the conduit that brings it all together at the end.
0: Last question for you: What is the impact of cross-functional alignment on the buyer experience, and and how would you say it can help teams keep up with changing buyer needs to continue to really deliver value?
1: Yeah, I think cross-functional working, when it comes to the buyer, you know, actually it exposes you to significant risk. Right? We we thankfully, and I I pride myself on always thinking about it from the customer's perspective. Yes, we are a business. Yes, we have certain things we need to do. You know, we've got processes we need to follow. But ultimately, we're here to provide a service to our customer, to our buyer. And we need to make it as easy as possible for them to buy from us. Now, our sales process means that we have BDRs in the process at the start. Then we have A's. Sales engineers probably come in at some point. Then we have onboarding. Then we have customer success. There's probably partnerships and leadership involved. So there's so many people involved in this process and actually what that does is that gives a customer a natural break point in a process. It makes it really easy for them to get out. So for us, by understanding the customer, therefore being able to make sure that we've got the right person involved at the right time, therefore hopefully exceeding the customer's expectations. So actually being really clear about that break point is like, hey, You know, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hand you over to this person because they are the most, you know, they're the best person to work with you on this topic. That means that we're constantly listening to the customer and making sure that we're giving them the resource they need to make that process as smooth as possible and hopefully maximize the buyer's experience so that when they buy from us now, they buy again. They stay with us. Or if they go to another company, they continue to buy from us because we make it really, really easy by ensuring they're always talking to the right person at the right time.
0: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you for sharing your expertise.
1: No, thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure.
0: To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.